0: God bless. Good morning, everybody. Uh, We do have some announcements. Uh, Not many, but a few. Uh, Again, remind you that Wednesday, 7 o'clock live here on YouTube is the Take Two, uh, where we kind of go over what I talk about here. Uh, A couple other things we want to make aware. Continue Lifting up Gil's sister-in-law, Helen, in prayer. She's still in the hospital, and uh, that's just not a good thing in and of itself. And there are a lot of things going on back and forth with her. So pray that she is able to recover completely, uh, that her oxygen levels and her intake of oxygen goes up, and that she's able to regain her strength. Uh, My brother is doing much better, got a text yesterday from Karen, my sister-in-law, saying that he is actually kind of had a good day, was able to start eating again, Um, so that's great news. I know there are a lot of other people who are uh, not well, maybe who have uh, COVID or are recovering, and I don't know all of you uh, who are there, but if you do know these people, please continue to pray for them. With that said, I want to let you know a few people have uh, messaged me this week asking when are we going to start meeting again and don't have an answer for that. I know that things have slowed down as far as how many people are being tested positive with COVID, uh, but I know that that can change very quickly. Uh, If things continue to go on a decline, we will try to open up at least outdoor with canopies, Uh, perhaps next month, we will give you a notification when that's going to happen so that you can know to join us. And again, if you are struggling, if you need to be here, there is never more than 10 people in this room right now. Um, And so you can join us and you can mask up. If you need to be here, please, we are here for you. Um, Because it it is important that we recognize that that is uh, important as well. So those things being said, we are looking forward to being able to gather again together, but we still don't have a time when we're actually going to do that. But we are hoping maybe within the next month to start opening up slowly. And that all depends on this new strain and how much and how quickly it it actually uh, spreads if it does affect in the way that some are projecting it will. Anyway, all those things... We don't know. Uh, gosh, living in the world of I don't know is kind of a strange thing. I mean, a lot of things happened since last week. Uh, we've got a new president. Uh, we've got a lot of things that are happening just in our society again. It's interesting how life moves on. And some things change and some things stay the same. You know, I, I've broken my left ankle twice. Once while I was playing basketball, once while I was playing softball, and that's why now I just play trains with my grandson. It's like I'll I'll stay safe and I'll stay on the ground. But what I notice, especially like on mornings, like this morning when it's cold, my ankle gets really stiff because of the two breaks. There's a little arthritis that sets in, and there's a, a pain that lingers from... An incident that's happened a long time ago, and that's true in so many areas of our life, where the things that we do uh, leave residual effects that can endure for a long time. That's what trauma does. You know, the PTSD is that post-trauma uh, effect that you still suffer from something that has happened a long time ago. And as we've been talking about grace and truth what we are wanting to do is step into a way of living so that the trauma that has been caused by living in an improper relationship of of grace and truth can no longer continue. And we've talked about these kind of four different quadrants. We've talked about the call-out where it's a high level of truth, a low level of grace. Many of us have experienced this in uh, our church lives, that have left residuals of being very gun-shy, that have maybe moved us to even a hangout where we're going to have a high level of grace and a low level of truth where it really isn't about getting to the reality of who we are and what's going on with us. We just want to keep things very on the surface. We want everyone to be happy all the time. We don't want to deal with the problems maybe that are there because we don't want to make waves and rock the boat. And then from there, again, maybe going back and forth in those two, we come to a checkout where we're just tired and we give up and we don't want to engage at all. But all those things can leave a residual in our lives of how it affects us and how we then interact with each other and with the world around us. And we've been talking about how Jesus, who was full of grace and truth, is inviting us, calling us into a different culture, a a different frame of thinking and a way of living. And we've looked at some of those examples last week with Peter. We looked at the the woman who was caught in adultery before that. And now I want to go to a passage in Ephesians where Paul really kind of talks about grace and truth. He says it truth and love, but it really is the same concept. And I want to look at how Paul moves us into this conversation of calling in in a way that hopefully we can adapt. Because just as harmful ways of calling out or hanging out can leave a residual, so can healthy ways of calling in. So can good things. It's Amazing how our minds work and how easy it is to forget the good things and how hard it is to forget the bad things. It's easy to forget good, hard to forget bad because our minds are kind of hardwired that way. And there's a little bit more effort that's required to maintain an awareness of beauty and of things that are good in our lives. And so how can we create a culture where the good has a long-lasting effect, enduring effect? So in Ephesians chapter 4 starting at verse 1 Paul writes and he says, "I therefore, a prisoner of a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. This idea of living in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, that's what we are trying to do as followers of Christ as we are trying to live in a way that honors Christ and enables him to be seen in our life. That, that's really what this is about. We're, we're trying to live in a way that looks like him so that others can see him in us. And to walk in a manner worthy of that calling is really to walk in this grace and truth. It is to walk in love in a way where that becomes central to our lives. The central focus of who I want to be is a person who is living in this grace and truth that is calling in. And remember, grace is this relational uh, journeying with, and and truth is not uh, right information alone. It is seeing things in the reality of how God sees them and living in relationship to that. I love the passion translation of verse two. It says, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially towards those who may try your patience. Being in lockdown, being confined, being away from work, having to work with your children home, having to do school with your children home, I imagine that a lot of us are having to deal, especially to those who are trying our patience, having to communicate to someone The same thing maybe over and over and over again. You know, get off your phone and concentrate on your school. When school looks just like being on your phone, right? It's like be on a screen, but don't be on that screen. Right? There's these things. And how many times are parents having to say over and over again, you need to put that down, you need to stop that, you need to do that, and you're confined. And having to deal with this over and over again to those who are trying our patience. This has been a journey for me as learning the nuance of grace and truth and seeing them together and not something that needs to be balanced. Trying to live in, in this way where I am developing an attitude of call in and seeing it in relationship. It's scary for a lot of people to realize that according to the New Testament, love isn't part of an equation that needs to be balanced by anything else, right? Well, we have love on this side, but we have truth on this side, Rather, love is the whole ball game. L- love is what this all encompasses. And, and it's amazing and it's easy to miss this, I think, because we've been hypnotized by our culture to their view, vision of love, what love is. And, and instead, here's a little rundown on how central love is to the vision of of the New Testament writers. And we're going to put this up on the screen right now. Just some verses here. Love is what Jesus hangs all of the law and prophets on. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Love surmises and fulfills the entire law. Love is the goal of all instruction and training. Love is how faith works itself out, and this is the only thing that counts. Love is the way we know we've passed from death to life. Love is the way that everyone around us will know we are Jesus' disciples. Love is the way we are filled with all the fullness of God. And love is who God is, and our love is evidence we are becoming more like him. All of these things are showing that love is central to this message. Our understanding of love is full of grace and truth. Paul talks about this love unifying or or being one. It's what we just read. I don't think of it as being one, meaning we're all the same, right? Being one is being together, being in unity, calling in, walking with. And so this importance of unity It's nuanced in that it doesn't mean we all think the same, we all act the same, but we are all in this together. And when I am in a call-out state of mind, it's not because I don't agree with people, but because I don't see myself journeying with them. It's not so much about disagreeing as it is distancing. You see, I strongly disagree with other Christians, and I think that's okay. I strongly disagree with churches that are gathering in mass together without any distancing or recognition of the dangers of COVID. I disagree with that. But I also see that I have to walk with them through this unprecedented time. And in other words, this is something that's difficult, it's something that's new. These aren't easy times and there aren't easy answers. And so even though I disagree with how they are doing things, I am in the same boat with them doing things. The way I move from calling them out and like, you guys are doing this wrong, you're not doing things the way it should be done, the way I would move from call out to call in is by collaborating empathy and connection with those I disagree with. Moving from disconnection to connection, seeing and hearing and being with the other person. This is very different from agreeing with, but is, I believe, absolutely necessary if I'm to have meaningful conversation with. When someone says, well, you know, more people are being injured because of the distancing, I need to hear that, I need to understand that, even though... I think there's more than just the two sides that we have to try and find a way to do all of this together. If I am so opposed and just calling out, I will not live into. And Paul is saying that there is this unity that is supposed to encompass who we are. There is this oneness One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all by grace was given to each one of us according to the measure that's in Christ. We are to see ourselves as family even though I don't agree with everything family does. I don't agree with everything family says. They're still my family and I still need to have a conversation with them and I still need to see a unity that is more important in Christ than in my Simple disagreements. And then if I move to a hangout mentality, I move to call-in by collaborating just the boundaries, right? So I'm in this hangout. I don't want to deal with things. I I don't want to have that difficult conversation. To move from hangout to call-in, I have to look at boundaries And getting real with other people. And it's about telling the truth about yourself. Being honest about your thoughts and feelings. Moving from hiding to reckoning with what's real. And so if I'm having a conversation with someone who disagrees with me in my position, I start with maybe why I'm in this place instead of why I disagree with you in that place. Right? You see, I believe history is going to look back at those churches who didn't take the virus seriously in a very unflattering way. And that's why I've chosen to respond the way I have. That, that's the truth about me and where I am in this scenario. That's why I am doing these things. Because I, I believe that it is going to be what most represents the love of Christ when people see it. And time will tell those things. But you see, that's the truth about me and where I'm at. And I want to be honest, and I want to have the dialogue. And this is just one of myriads of dialogues that we have with our family, with people at work, with friends, people who disagree with us politically, socially. How do you connect? And for us who belong to Christ, where is a connection? Because there is so much division. And how do we call people in if we don't see ourselves as together? And that's the difficulty here, is seeing us as one. I'm engaging in real conversation. I'm not avoiding it. I'm not trying to call people out about what they're doing wrong, and I'm not ignoring what I think is wrong. I'm trying to step into the difficulty so that we can find unity, even though unity isn't being the same. Paul even gives us a little list of diversity in this unity in verse 11. Paul says, and he gave, Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, yes, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There are all these different roles of people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, the five that are are mentioned here. And this isn't an exhaustive list. There's definitely more. But Paul is saying we all have this place. We all have that role until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Until we grow up into this unity, we are all trying to move to a place where we see the unity that God was trying to establish in Christ and are participating in that unity, which is the restoration of all things. You see, There is a a bigger mentality that we are supposed to be part of than the ones that keep distancing us. There is a kingdom mentality that is bigger than a political mentality. There is a kingdom mentality that is bigger than a racial mentality. There is a kingdom mentality that is encompassing and trying to bring into this dynamic, seeing ourselves as part of the same body, and that is such a beautiful picture, but it's such a difficult reality. It's hard to see myself as part of the same body with someone who I so strongly disagree with. So, how do I move? from this place of disagreement to a place of unity except through grace and truth, except through the process, except through walking through these things. You see, just like those sore muscles that are there or the arthritis in my ankle that is lingering from those incidents long time past, there are things that linger and develop only because of the continuation the process, the development, the working through these things. When he says to speak the truth in love, remember this context of what Paul is saying. It's about unity. It's about calling. It's about walking together. Speaking the truth is not about telling someone where they are wrong. I have thought this verse was used in a way to point out where I believe someone was wrong and the reason I did it is because I love them. Hey, listen, you're wrong. Here's where you're wrong. I'm just telling you because I love you, man. Or bro. Let's throw the bro word in there. Hey, bro, I love you, man, but you're wrong. Do you ever look back at things that you've done and cringe? I have so many... And I get to share them with you. That's... There, there was an artist. He was a piano player named Tom Howard. He, he since has passed away. Just an incredible musician, an incredible songwriter. And I was working at a church, and my job at this church was to do, quote, outreach. And outreach back then was basically concerts, right? That's all outreach was. Do a concert. That's what we knew. And so I had Tom Howard come and play at our church, and he did a concert. And again, the man is just amazingly talented. He's gifted. He's a great communicator. But before the concert, I had talked to a friend who said that they went out to dinner one time, and it was at Benihana, the Japanese restaurant, and they were sitting at the grill, and Tom Howard was there. Tom Howard didn't know who he was, but he knew who Tom Howard was. And he told me, yeah, because I, I told him, hey, Tom Howard's going to be playing at our church. And he goes, oh, yeah, I had dinner one time and Tom Howard was there. And you know what, man? The guy was just drinking beer. And I was like, at this time, drinking beer was like a bad thing to me. It's, if you know me now, it's not a bad thing, right? And so I felt it was my duty to let Tom Howard know that his drinking beer had caused somebody to stumble. And I think about that now and I just think, oh man. Of all the things I could say to this person who I admired, this person whose music has touched me, this person whose talent was inspirational, the thing I chose to say to him was this truth because I love you, bro. And I I remember afterwards talking to Tom and I'm already a little bit, you know, just idolizing the guy because he is such a great talent and I admired his albums and all these things. And now I feel it's my job because I got to bring the truth to you. And I sat him, you know, aside and I said, hey, Tom, I just need to let you know, man, a friend of mine was eating with you and they saw you drinking a beer and it really stumbled him. And I just had to let you know, bro, because I love you. I still cringe thinking about that. I still cringe thinking about how all I was doing was calling out something that I don't even think is a problem anymore, right? Of all the things to do and say, that's what I chose to say to him at that time. And he was so gracious, he, he took it, and here I am basically telling him, you know, people are going to have a hard time inviting you to their churches if they know you drink beer, right? What, am I going to blacklist the guy because he had a beer? As speaking the truth becomes a voice of the accuser, it's most likely my voice and not the voice of Jesus. And instead of getting closer to Tom, I basically put a wall in our relationship. And I said, I'm on this side, you're on that side. You drink beer, I don't drink beer. I just want you to know my side's the right side, Tom. I imagine someone will have that conversation with me after this. Sam, I don't drink beer, you drink beer you're on that side of the wall. Again, this is call out. And that's not what the scripture is talking about. The truth is about how God sees us, not how I see you. The truth of of the God of love can't be commended by loveless speech. The truth produces what we are in principle, the body of Christ. The truth is moving us towards unity. The truth is connecting us to who God is. There's a Proverbs in Proverbs 8, verse 7. It says, my mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. You see, truth isn't about what's True and the other is false. Truth is about who God is and the other, apart from God, is wicked. There is this this moral, relational connection of what truth means that's not just about correct information that we are supposed to give to people because we love them. Truth is about connecting people to the nature of God because of who God is. And grace is the means that That happens. There's a relational justice attached to truth which requires introspection, requires us to look at ourselves. Last week, it was my grandson Judah's birthday. He was five years old, a big five birthday, and we had just a small gathering, immediate family only. And Grandpa Bob came to the birthday and he had such a good time because he's been basically isolated Kareen helped him with some banking things yesterday and she got to talk to him and he was talking to her and telling her about the great time that he had and just mentioning you know how excited judah was with the gifts and with the family and just he you know putting his finger in the cake and eating it and him and milo together just they're they're funny together And one of the things he said to Corrine, he goes, you know, when Sam held Everly, my granddaughter, he said, I saw a different Sam. He's always so serious. He's always so just, you know, I don't know how he sees me, but that's how he saw me. And when I held my granddaughter, he saw a different me. And he said, it was beautiful to see. And that spoke to me because I know how I I feel when I, I take that little girl and I've shared with you how much she means to me. But I never thought that I presented myself in a way that was so serious. And the way he spoke truth to me was what I considered this truth in love. He saw something beautiful And what it did was expose to me the things that were lacking. It revealed to me my demeanor when I'm not holding that little girl. And I wanna be the person who always holds that little girl, first of all. I'm always taking her. Hey, I'll take her. But I want to be that person all the time. I don't wanna just have that attitude when I hold her because I don't get to hold her enough. I want to have that attitude. I want to have that demeanor all the time. I want to present that where he saw something noticeably different. He wasn't calling me out and saying, Sam, you're so serious all the time. He called out through what he saw that was beautiful. And it illuminated what I needed to see. See how that's different? He spoke the truth in love. I have a friend who, who's been in checkout for a while, he's gone through some hard things. And to talk with him, it feels difficult. Because I don't really want to talk about some of the things that he's gone through, because they're hard things. It's like you don't want to you don't want to bring focus to the wound. You don't want to have him focus on the pain. Your your ankle isn't healed yet. I can still see you limping. I I still see you hurting and I see you checked out and I see you not engaging with your family and I see you not doing the things that you know you should be doing. And you see, I think that the telling the truth in love, I used to think it was about, hey, bro, you're not doing, it always starts with, hey, bro, the Bible says. You know, it's like, You're not doing these things. You're not engaging. You're checking out. You're doing these things. And instead, I had to stop and I just had to think, I don't know how to love you the way I need to with where you're at. I don't know how to reach you in the pain that you're feeling. Because that's the only thing I could say. It was the truth about myself in this situation, not the truth about where I see you're wrong. It's the truth. I don't know how to bring us together in this place because that's the truth. And that's the truth in love. And it's so different than how I used to think it was. It's so different than, hey, bro, the Bible says. Hey, you shouldn't do this. Hey, I see this and I think you need to change this. This is, I don't know how. This is, I see something beautiful in you when there is this place that you're living in. I miss what I saw here. And I don't know how to reach you here and I'm not gonna do it in either of these ways. Truth and love is speaking to what is going to unify, build up and edify Christ and his kingdom. Speaking the truth in love is not going to be about ego and self-preservation and making sure I feel like I'm protected and I come out looking better. It is going to be about really caring about what can bring us together. And I hope that we can start to see this more and more In ourselves. I I hope that we are able to use this in our lives to understand how we can move forward to bring this unity because now is an opportunity like no other where people will look back and see how we lived at this time. And may we start to develop. the muscle of grace and truth. May we learn that speaking the truth in love pushes us forward into unity, not apart into diversity. And may it have a lingering effect that we carry That helps us to look more and more like Christ. Let's pray. Father, you desire for us to work as your body, to live in unity with all the diversity, but not the division. And Lord, that is so nuanced. Even as we think of the words and the similarities, help us, God, to be the people that push towards this unity. That when we speak truth and love, it is about the truth that you proclaim it's about the love that is central to who we are to be. And may it be an earmark for others to see you in us. Father, I pray for those who are living in tension tension with family, tension with friends or coworkers because of the culture we live in. And I pray, Lord, that you would move us into a different way of thinking, a different way of seeing, to the wisdom of Christ that is bringing about the unity in all of humanity. And may we learn to speak the truth in love. And may that bring us us closer together and not further apart, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As Randy was singing that, I thought of when Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And how do we know if something's true? If we are set free, right? If we, we, if we reverse that, we can kind of see what is true, and perhaps this was even in Jesus' intent. If the truth that you are leaning into isn't setting you free, then it's not the truth of Christ. And so may you know the truth that sets you free. May you speak the truth in the freedom of this love. May we learn to walk in grace and truth. I bless you guys. Love you. Take care. Keep safe. Hope to see you soon. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more